0: You're listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agrida. And if you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so over on Facebook. By finding the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and sharing your own thoughts and insights with others who are following along. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agrida. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 195. And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 12, Paragraphs 135 to 143. Chapter 12 The Incessant Prayers and Petitions of Christ, the Redeemer, for Our Welfare, and How Our Most Holy Mother Joined Him Therein and Received Many New Enlightenments. 135 The more our limited discourse seeks to make clear and extol the mysterious works of Christ, our Redeemer, and of His Most Holy Mother, the more evident it becomes that mere human words are far from being able to compass the greatness of these sacraments. For as Ecclesiasticus says, they surpass all our words of praise, nor can we ever fathom or compass them, and there will always remain many greater secrets than those we have sought to explain." For those which we do explain are very insignificant, and we do not deserve to comprehend, nor to speak about the few which we attempt to fathom. Inadequate is the intellect of the highest seraphim, to weigh and pierce the secrets that passed between Jesus and Mary, during the years in which they lived together. Especially is this true of the years of which I am now speaking, during which the Teacher of Life instructed her in everything that was to happen in the Law of Grace, namely, how much this new law was to accomplish in the sixth age of the world, which includes these sixteen hundred and fifty-seven years, and all the unknown future, until the end of the world. In all this, the Most Blessed Lady was instructed in the school of Her Divine Son, For he foretold her by the word of mouth, pointing out the time and place of each event, the kingdoms and provinces of their history, during the existence of the Church. This was shown her so clearly, that if she had lived through our centuries in mortal flesh, she would have known all the individual members of the Holy Church with their features and names. This happened in regard to the persons whom she afterwards saw and conversed with during her life for when they came into her presence for the first time, she already knew them by her interior faculties and merely began to know them by the experience of the senses. One thirty-six. Still, while the Most Holy Mother of Wisdom so clearly understood these mysteries in the soul of her son and in the operations of his faculties, she did not penetrate so deeply into the secrets as the Most Holy Soul of Christ which was beatifically united to the divinity, for the heavenly lady was a creature, and as yet did not continually enjoy the beatific vision, nor did she always comprehend the image conceived in the beatific vision of this divine soul of Christ. For this happened only when she herself was enjoying the intuitive vision of the divinity, but she beheld the imaginary species of the interior faculties of Christ concerning the mysteries of the Milton church, And she understood also how they depended upon his most holy will, that he decreed and controlled all its developments according to the proper time, place, and occasion. She was made aware in like manner how the human will of the Redeemer conformed itself to the divine and was governed by it in all its decrees and dispositions. The divine harmony overflowed in the will and faculties of the Blessed Lady, leading her to cooperate with the will of her Son, and through it with the divine. Hence, there existed an ineffable similarity between Christ and Holy Mary, and she was the helpmate of Christ in the building up of the new law. One thirty-seven. All these hidden sacraments ordinarily transpired in that humble oratory of the Queen, where the greatest of all mysteries, the incarnation of the divine word, and her virginal womb had taken place. Through it... Though it was such a narrow and poorly furnished room, consisting merely of the bare and rude walls, yet it enclosed the grandeur of him who is immense, and shed forth all the majesty and sacredness, which since then is attached to the rich temples and innumerable sanctuaries of the world. In this holy of holies the high priest of the new law ordinarily performed his prayers, which always concluded with fervent intercessions for men. At these times also he spoke to his virgin mother about all the works of the redemption, and communicated to her the rich gifts and treasure of grace which he had come to shower upon the children of light in the New Testament and in his holy church. Many times did he beseech his eternal Father not to allow the sins and the ingratitude of men to hinder their redemption. As Christ in his foreknowledge was always conscious of the sins of the human race, And of the damnation of so many thankless souls, the thought of dying for them caused him to sweat blood many times on these occasions. Although the evangelists, because they never intended to relate all the events of his life, mention this sweating of blood, but once before his passion it is certain that this happened many times and in the presence of his most holy mother. This has been intimated to me several times. 138. During prayer, our Blessed Mother sometimes assumed a kneeling posture. Sometimes he was prostrate in the form of a cross, or at other times raised in the air in the same position, which he loved so much. In the presence of his mother he was wont to pray, O Most Blessed Cross, when shall thy arms receive mine? When shall I rest on thee? And when shall my arms nailed to thine be spread to welcome all sinners? Matthew 9.13 But as I came from heaven for no other purpose than to invite them to imitate me and associate with me, they are even now and forever open to the embrace and enrich of all men. Come then, all ye that are blind, to the light. Come, ye poor, to the treasures of my grace. Come, ye little ones, to the caresses and delights of your true Father. Come ye afflicted and worn out ones, for I will relieve and refresh you. Matthew 11:28. Come ye just, since you are my possession and inheritance. Come all ye children of Adam, for I call upon you all, I am the way, the truth and the life. 13:6. And I will deny nothing that you desire to receive. My eternal Father, they are the works of thy hands. Do not despise them. For I will offer myself as a sacrifice on the cross, in order to restore them to justice and freedom. If they be but willing, I will lead them back to the bosom of thy elect, and to their heavenly kingdom, where thy name shall be glorified. One thirty-nine. At all these prayers the beloved mother was present, and in her purest soul, as in the purest crystal, the light of the only begotten was reflected. His interior and exterior prayers re-echoed in her causing her to imitate his petitions and prayers in the same postures. When the great lady for the first time saw him sweat blood, her maternal heart was transfixed with sorrow and filled with astonishment at the effects caused in Christ our Lord by the sins and ingratitudes committed by men, foreseen by the Lord and known to her. In the anguish of her heart, She turned to her fellow mortals and exclaimed, O children of men, little do ye understand how highly the Lord esteems his image and likeness in you. For as the price of your salvation, he offers his own blood and deems it little to shed all of it for you. O could I but unite your wills with mine in order that I might bring you to love and obey him. Blessed by his right hand, Be the grateful and the just among men, who will be faithful children of their father. Let those be filled with light and with the treasures of grace, who will respond to the ardent desires of my Lord in regard to their salvation. Would that I be the insignificant slave of the children of Adam, and thereby induce and assist them to put an end to their sins and their own damnation. Lord and Master, life and light of my soul. Who can be so hard of heart and so hostile to himself that he should not feel himself urged on by the blessings? Who can be so ungrateful and so unheedful as to ignore thy most burning love? How can my heart bear with men who, being so favored by thy bounty, are so coarse and rebellious? O children of Adam, turn your inhuman cruelty upon me. Afflict and insult me as much as you will. Only pay my beloved Lord." the reverence and love which you owe to his endearments. Thou, my Son and Lord, art light of light, Son of the Eternal Father, figure of his substance. Hebrews one three, As everlasting, as immense, as infinite as he, equal to him in essence and attributes, being with him one God and one supreme majesty. John 10.30 Thou art chosen among thousands. Canticle 5.10 Beautiful above all the sons of men, holy, innocent, and without defect of any kind. How, then, eternal God, can mortals ignore the object of their most noble love, the principle which gives them existence, the end wherein consists their eternal true happiness? Oh, that I could give my life in order that all might escape their error. Many other sentiments of burning love, far beyond the powers of my heart and tongue, This heavenly lady uttered in her dove-like sincerity, and in this love and in profoundest reverence she wiped the sweat from the face of her sweetest son. At other times she found him in quite a different condition, shining with glory and transfigured as afterwards on Mount Tabor. Matthew 17.2 In the midst of a great multitude of angels who adored him and in the sweet harmony of their voices gave praise and thanksgiving to the only begotten the Father made man, these celestial voices our blessed lady heard, and she joined hers with them. At other times this happened while he was not transfigured. For the divine will ordained that the sensitive part of the divine humanity of the word should sometimes have this solace, while at other times it should enjoy also the transfiguring overflow of the glory of the soul into the body, yet this only at great intervals." But when the Heavenly Mother found him in this state, and beheld his glorified body, or when she heard the hymns of the angels, she participated in these delights, to such an extent, that if her spirit had not been so strong, and if her Lord and Son had not fortified her, she would have lost all her natural powers, and even as it was, the holy angels had to support the failing strength of her body on those occasions. 141. Many times, when her divine Son was in one of these states of suffering or joy, and was praying to the Eternal Father, or, as it were, conferring with him concerning the highest mysteries of the redemption, the person of the Father approved or conceded his petitions for the relief of men, or showed to the most holy humanity of Christ the secret decrees of the predestination, reprobation, or condemnation of some souls." All this our blessed lady heard, humbling herself to the dust. With unequaled reverence and fear she adored the omnipotent and accompanied her son in his prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings, offered up to the Eternal Father for mankind in praise of all his inscrutable judgments. Such secrets and mysteries the most prudent virgin conferred in her heart and stored them up in her memory, converting them into the material material and nourishment of her fiery love. None of these blessings and secret favours were in her unprofitable or fruitless. To all of them she corresponded according to the inmost desires of her lord. In all of them she fulfilled the highest intentions of the Almighty, and all his works found due response from her as far as was possible from a mere creature. Instructions which the Queen of Heaven, Mary, gave me. 142. My daughter, one of the reasons why men should call me Mother of Mercy is in the knowledge of my loving desire that all be satiated with the flood of grace and taste the sweetness of the Lord as I myself. I call and invite all to come with me to the fountain of divinity. Let the most poor and afflicted approach, for if they respond and follow me, I will offer them my protection and help, and I will intercede for them with my son and obtain for them the hidden manna which will give to them nourishment and life. Apocalypse 2.17 Deny thyself and put off all the works of human weakness, and by the true light which thou hast received concerning the works of my son and my own, contemplate and study thyself in this mirror in order to arrive at that beauty which the highest king seeks in thee. forty three Since this is the most powerful means for perfection in thy works, I wish that thou write this Advice into thy heart, whenever thou must perform any interior or exterior work, consider beforehand whether what thou art going to say or do corresponds with the doings of thy Lord, and whether thou hast the intention thereby to honor the Lord and benefit thy neighbor. As soon as thou art sure that this is thy motive, execute thy undertaking in union with him and in imitation of him. But if thou findest not this motive, let the undertaking rest. This was my invariable course in pursuing the imitation of my Lord and Teacher, though in me there was no reluctance toward the good, but only the desire of imitating him perfectly. In this imitation consists the fruit of his holy teaching, in which he urges us to do, which is most pleasing and acceptable to the eternal God. Moreover, from this day on, be mindful not to undertake any work, not to speak or even think any of anything, without first asking my permission, and consulting with me as thy mother and teacher. And as soon as I answer thee, give thanks to the Lord. If I do not answer after continued inquiry, I promise and assure thee on the part of the Lord that he will nevertheless give thee light, as to what will be according to his most perfect will. In all things, however, subject thyself to the guidance of thy spiritual director, and never forget this practice. This concludes our reading today for day number 195. We've been reading from volume 3, book 5, chapter 12, paragraphs 135 to 143. Today's reading is a reminder that Jesus prayed for you, and he prayed for me. He did so in his childhood, and he did so at the very end of his life, especially when he was praying in the garden, Father, I pray that they all might be one. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. He was praying to his Father in heaven. And as he prayed in the home With the Blessed Virgin and with St. Joseph, well, Mary began to imitate Christ also then in his petitions and in his postures. His interior and exterior prayers re-echoed in her, causing her to imitate his petitions and prayers in the same postures. So if we see Christ praying for the world and humanity praying that people will turn away from sin, well, we imitate that. We pray then in a very similar way ourselves. In the instruction that Our Lady gives, she says, Let the most poor and afflicted approach, for if they respond and follow me, I will offer them my protection and help. I will intercede for them with my son and obtain for them the hidden manna. Mary wants to pray for us. She says she will pray for us. This is what she wants us to know, that we should ask for her prayers of intercession. And then it almost seems like she wants us to converse with her. She says, moreover, from this day on, be mindful not to undertake any work, not to speak or even think any of anything without first asking my permission and consulting with me as thy mother and teacher. And as soon as I answer thee, give thanks to the Lord. If I do not answer, so forth and so on. But consulting with Mary, of course, we should consult with God. God, what is your will in this situation? But we can also go to our lady and say, Mary, let me know what your son's will is for me here. What should I do? How can I say thy will be done in this situation? What is God's will? Consult our Lord, consult our Lady, imitate Jesus, and imitate Mary seems to be what we could take away from our reading today. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.